It's 11.59 on Radio Free BTC. This is your host, Joe Fi, with music and the truth till dawn. Right now I have a few words for our brothers and sisters behind enemy lines. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. It's 12 o'clock, Bitcoiners. Another day closer to victory. Stay tuned for news and more right after this quick break. All right, welcome back, Bitcoiners. I am Joe Fi, your host here at Radio Free BTC, the most listened to Bitcoin podcast by my mom and sisters. And today I wanted to just uh, jump on ahead of the what, what I've got coming for you and explain a little bit. I, I uh, had a conversation with a Minnesota politician. His name is Representative Jeremy Munson. He's from southern Minnesota. I had no idea uh, anything about him, but he reached out to me and said he wanted to talk Bitcoin, uh, crypto, and uh, legislation. And I said, I I will. I like one of those things. That's what I told him. And uh, we, we basically mostly talked about Bitcoin. And I, I really, really appreciated the opportunity to just share what I know with somebody that legitimately wanted to learn. So I... I uh, Hope you guys enjoy this. Let me know what you think. Uh, join join us on the Telegram group, and let me know what you think. I it's not normal that I'm talking to politicians, nor do I want it to be. To be honest with you, although Jeremy was a good guy, and like I said, it, I really think he just wanted to know more. And I am happy to sit down with anyone that wants to talk Bitcoin. So take take a listen and let me know what you think. Okay. Well, I, I, we're going to kind of share these these uh, conversations today. Uh, you can play it on your podcast, and I'll play it on mine. Um, <laughs> my listeners are going to be uh, we're going to need to be brought up to speed on what Bitcoin is. Most of us. Um, I, I've th- I was interested in learning about this um, because I met a legislator from Wyoming who had uh, successfully got through some legislation to expand and kind of expand offerings for Bitcoin and kind of make it some official stuff in the state. And he asked who was doing cryptocurrencies in Minnesota. And um, I researched it and found out there really wasn't anybody doing stuff. So I'm like, well, I guess I better, you know, I'm, I'm one of the few legislators under 50. So maybe I should, <laughs> maybe I should uh, do some research and, you know, find out how we can expand this in Minnesota. And then also, as I was learning about this, I mean, I'm a big Liberty guy. So, um, and I'm, you know, against what the Federal Reserve is doing. It kind of, that's one of the things that brought me into politics was um, fiscal policy. And uh, so coming from the, from that perspective on offering up cryptocurrency as an alternative to the dollar is important to me, but I live in a fairly liberal state. And so mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out how to pitch cryptocurrency and Bitcoin um, to the Democrats who control our state right now. And so uh, talking to legislators and um, some people in other states, trying to put together a package on how this can be used for transferring money to other countries, right? For the immigrant population, trying to, you know, to take out the Western unions of the world, right? That, that, that have a lock on all of the uh, remittances that go back to other countries where they take a big chunk out of it. That might be beneficial. Um, but, you know, curious to get your take on, well, let's just back up for for the listeners. So, explain explain um, in a you know your two minute elevator pitch what, what Bitcoin is or what cryptocurrency is. You know, and and that that's that is a great question because uh, you know that that's usually the the biggest hurdle when it comes to talking to people about Bitcoin is like, well, I just don't get it, and uh, you know, at, at its core, all Bitcoin is is a distributed ledger, and so so it just says. Uh, you know, J- Jeremy has X, Joe has Y, and I I sent a payment to you. Now you've got X plus Y, and uh, I mean it, that's the ten thousand foot view. And w- what's so beautiful about Bitcoin is w- when I say it's a distributed ledger, the the record of that is immutable. It cannot be changed by anybody for for any reason. And and when I send you that payment, it's final. Can't be undone anything which uh you know can be a little scary to some people too but what what's what's so great about it is is if somebody were a a, a bad actor and said no you know what joe never sent that payment and we're going to try to change the ledger this way and that way and uh 
the the ledger when we say it's distributed that means it's running on computers all around the world and the, the, the every computer that's running bitcoin has the exact same copy of what they call the blockchain which is just a fancy way of saying the ledger and so so the, you know i think last time i looked there's you know 12 to 15,000 different nodes or computers running the bitcoin network around the world and if all those computers don't agree with you know somebody saying that I didn't send you the payment, they say, well, no, that, that doesn't, that doesn't jive. And, you know, we're going with whatever, what the consensus is and which, uh, you know, so, so it raises the question, well, well, why do you need that? Right. And it's because by being distributed, by being worldwide, like I said, it, it's immutable and it's also censorship resistant, which means that, Say, say uh, the state of Minnesota, for instance, doesn't like what I'm doing, or you know, more more likely than not, it'd be the federal government of any country saying we, we don't like what he's doing. We're going to seize his bank accounts. Well, you can't do that with Bitcoin if it's stored correctly, secured correctly, which is uh, one of the biggest strengths is, and which is also one of the biggest hurdles I think is a lot of politicians don't like about it. You know, it's it's a it's kind of a real limit. Uh, it's a check. It's a check on the power that a lot of governments can have on the banking system. But the, the other thing about it, though, is is by being distributed, there's no barriers to entry either. I mean, the, the biggest barrier to entry for Bitcoin is a cell phone. If you, if you have a cell phone, that a smartphone that can download an app, you can run Bitcoin and you can participate in the Bitcoin network. And uh, not to go down a different rabbit hole, but I'm sure you're aware, you know, El Salvador, the country of El Salvador has made a legal tender and it's one of the poorest countries in, you know, uh, certainly the Americas. And they already have, I think it was over 2 million users uh, that have downloaded and are running and using Bitcoin. Uh, and they only ha I think the number was they only had a million and a half people that had bank accounts. So it, it's really... It, it's really a way to like, you know, the cliche is to bank the unbanked, but uh, it, it really gives power back to the individual. And that, I think that's why you see a lot, you know, the, the, the first true adopters were the libertarians. And, uh, you know, I, I always laugh because I, I was a Ron Paul delegate in 2012 and, and, and the, the, the only other guy at my uh, caucus was uh, chewing my, my ear off about this uh, inter magic internet money. And I, I thought he was nuts and <laughs> didn't listen to him until much later. So, but uh, I mean, on, on a high view, you know, it, it, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a new way. It, it's like Venmo or PayPal without, without the companies running everything. It's, it's run by, by the internet, by, by everybody worldwide. So I, yeah, that's in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's, I think it's really good that you brought up Venmo and PayPal. Because um, of, of all the online um, payments that people use, right? We, we go online, we use credit cards to enter stuff into Amazon. You could also pay on Amazon using PayPal. Um, my tenants transfer, you know, send me rent payments through Venmo. Um, we, we do Venmo to pay like for, you know, when our kids are in sports and there's like a $50 fee for whatever, we Venmo that. Um, so using Bitcoin um, to, to make that payment would also be possible um, if the person on the receiving end was to accept Bitcoin because um, it's not necessarily in U.S. dollars. But somewhere in right. that, you could probably, you know, transact into U.S. dollars from from Bitcoin. Is that right? Absolutely. And I mean, there are apps right now where where it'll seamlessly go back and forth. So so if you wanted to uh, send dollars, you, you could use what's called the Strike app and it, it, it won't. So, so let's say you want to send Joe twenty five dollars for this. Uh, it, it it'll send it from you to me, but instead of going through the Visa network or the banking network, it, it runs on the rails of Bitcoin, and and it instantly converts your twenty five dollars to Bitcoin, sends it to me, converts it back. That that's a lot of how the remittances are being done with uh with like El Salvador. That's why that was such a great test case, and. Uh, it instantly, if you wanted to, it instantly converts back and forth. And, you know, as these technologies get built out a little bit better, it'll become seamless, like where you won't even know, 
you know, it, was that sent through the Lightning Network? Was that sent through an on-chain payment, which is all in the weeds? And, you know, the average person really doesn't care. <laughs> you know, I, I'll, I'll sit around and nerd out about all the different technologies. But at the end of the day, you know, you want to pay for your kid's uh, T-shirt that he bought for his baseball team. And you, you hit send and that's it. It's uh, I always tell people, you know, in my family, I'm like, well, they're like, well, how does this work? How does that work? I'm like, how does your email work? You, you, the only thing you care about is that it works. You hit send and it gets to the, where you want it to go. And Bitcoin is just a way to transfer value. Uh, truly as easy as email, you know, when, when it's done right, or once you get past some of the barriers that people have, but yeah, it's, a uh, it, it's, a uh, definitely interesting. And, and the, uh, freedom, you know, my big thing and, and why I'm so passionate about it is definitely the freedom aspect of it. And it's, uh, you know, breaking ourselves from the, uh, you know, the Wells Fargo's or the JP Morgan's and, you know, I, it, it, they, their time has passed. There's, there's no longer a need for the, the big banks that just sit and siphon, siphon money off of us and Visa. I mean, 3% for a small business, uh, there's no need for it. There, there's absolutely no need for it. So you, you, there, there's. I, I all day I, I did three three interviews today with people that got back from El Salvador. There was a Bitcoin conference, and you know one of them was telling me about a guy selling coconuts on the side of the street in San Salvador that was taking Bitcoin payments, and so essentially he's paying less than the vendor in Minneapolis for for processing digital transactions. You know, at the end of the day, it's no different for him. It hits his account, and you know he can spend that value however he wants but he's spending less than a coconut vendor in El Salvador. <laughs> uh, and so, I mean, I, I've, I used to be really into technology and then, uh, and then I just got <laughs> busy with kids and I've, I've, I've fallen behind, you know, but, but I have, you know, I've got an RFID chip in my, in my ring and I can like, you know, give somebody my contact information by touching <laughs> their phone with my ring, you know, and I imagine that there's a way that you can, uh, you know, bring up your, or make your transaction, from your just touching your phone or you know your RFID chip uh, to 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 start your transaction or how does that work? Well, the the, the easiest way, and, and I'm not saying that that doesn't exist. The easiest way is w with your phone. Just uh, you you use your camera to somebody will bring up a QR code, and then the other person will scan it. Boom, done. Or I can email you the QR code or address, and then you cut and paste, and that's about it. It's it's when it's working and, and the lightning network, which is what it sounds like, it's it's significantly faster. When that's working, it is literally faster than Visa. It's faster than when you swipe your card. It, it you scan by the time you hit scan on the uh, on your camera, the payments are already there. It's seconds. So it's uh, okay. It's and, pretty and, neat. In <laughs> these. You know the, your Bitcoin account, so I, I'm going to actually probably have you help me offline because I'm interested in in <laughs> in, in buying Bitcoin to kind of start this process, um, and it and it may may be related to uh, volatility in the market, right? I was looking, you know, the stock market. You know, I used to be a stock trader, and hmm. I'm looking at, you know, the I'm doing my analytics on the market, and everything looks like it's overpriced, and we're due for a big correction. And typically people would, you know, be investing in bonds, but I know that the government's not going to let the interest rate go up because so many people would be hurt. And I, I started looking at gold and silver and it's, it's going down. I don't understand where is, <laughs> where are people going and, uh, talking to some, you know, having some conversations with financial advisors, they're talking about, well, people might be investing in cryptocurrency. That might be where the, you know, solution is to protect yourself from inflation and you know significant market corrections that might be coming so so maybe i'd like to buy some bitcoin so, and, so yeah, yeah i i should have mentioned this in the beginning too the, the the biggest the biggest feature uh of bitcoin is there will never be more than 21 million bitcoin and, and currently there's only 18 and a half roughly million bitcoin in circulation and but there will never be more than 21 million so if you're talking about the ultimate inflation hedge uh, there will never be more. So, so we know if if the price of gold doubled to say four thousand dollars, I mean you're you're going to have every uh, 
mining industry, every, you know, my, they'll, they'll reopen the uh, ghost towns in the old West looking for gold. Uh, so, so, so nobody, I mean, gold is definitely scarce, but Bitcoin has the ultimate scarcity. Uh, 21 million, that's it. Never going to be more. And I always like to tell people, you know, I think it was Bloomberg or Forbes estimates that there's, there's around 50 million millionaires in the world. And if every millionaire, just, just millionaires wanted one Bitcoin, they can't have it. There's not enough. So, so it, it's through code, through computer code that we, we have the ultimate scarcity in an asset. And we've never had that before. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm very leery of, uh, of, uh, you know, the, the word crypto, uh, is, you know, a little, makes me a little nervous because, uh, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the other, other coins out there that people love to talk about, uh, just don't have the scarcity or the decentralization that Bitcoin has. So that, that's why uh, I focus on nothing but Bitcoin. And, uh, cause I, I, it's doesn't mean I ignore the other ones, but I just haven't seen anything that has, you know, th those combinations of scarcity, uh, decentralization, because at the end of the day, you know, the, the next biggest coin is Ethereum. And I think it's 70% of their network, their nodes, the computers that run their system run on cloud computers. And I always tell people, especially, uh, you know, I have a lot of conservative friends. I said, how well did cloud computing work out for Parler? <laughs> you know, a a after uh, the powers that be decided they wanted uh, they wanted them to go away, they went away, and uh, that that that's the scary thing about not being truly decentralized. So, so so what is the price of Bitcoin today? <laughs> I think it's at uh, what is it fifty fifty four thousand uh, fifty four three. Uh, and so, so 54,300 US dollars to one Bitcoin. Yes. And, and then it, are Bitcoins broken into cents, like a hundred <laughs> fractions or Good a question. million fractions or what? Uh, sure. Yeah. J just as the dollar is a hundred pennies, uh, Bitcoin is a hundred million Satoshis. So as of right now, as of us talking, one dollar equals 1,842 Satoshis. And uh, I, I always like to tell people, you know, I, I, I uh, orange pilled my sister. Orange pilling is when you convert somebody to Bitcoin. That's kind of what we call it. But and she's like, well, I, you know, I'm never going to own a whole one. And and uh, I said, well, you just bought uh, you just bought 100,000 Satoshis. <laughs> and uh, looking at it that way and Satoshis are going to as Bitcoin continues to grow, Satoshis are going to become the standard because you, it's too hard to talk in numbers that big, uh, I think, for most people. And uh, and things will be priced in Satoshis that I mean, as they already are in El Salvador. So so, uh, so what's the nickname for Satoshi? Because that seems like it's a really long word. Sats. Uh, what's it? Sats. Sats. S-A-T-S. Uh, so, so, you know, the, the lingo, if you want to know, is, uh, you know, stack sats and chill. <laughs> yeah, you just... Uh, you know, so, so actually talking about, you know, investment strategies or whatever, uh, you know, I, I've made every mistake in this uh, space. I, I think, you know, I, I've I've bought the quote unquote altcoins. I have a different term, but I'll keep it clean for them. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, watch them go up and pump and dump. And, you know, I I was over it before the doge hype and things like that. But my, my only strategy and, and what I really try to tell people is, Take money that you're not going to, you won't even notice, you know, I mean, for, for most people, you know, my sister, I, I'm like, I'm like, listen, would you miss $10 a month or $10 a week? And she's like, no, I, you won't even notice it come out of your account. So, so she, she just has an auto buy set up on cash app and she's been doing it now for, for a year and a half. And she's like, I can't believe how much money is there. <laughs> and so, uh, so is there a transaction fee to buy into this? Yes. Uh, you know what? It, it, it's the, the best analogy for that is it's uh, it's like a, it, it, like paying a uh, brokerage fee to like when you buy a stock. Right. And uh, a lot of them have, you know, varying fees, you know, Coinbase and the Gemini's of the world. They're, they're kind of the big players that they charge a little bit more. Cash app is I, I think it's like three percent. You know, I, I don't quote me on the exact slippage that uh, that is out there, but uh 
it, uh, yeah, I mean, you pay a little bit, but, uh, it's very minimal. And, and like I said before, the strike app, which I'm a big fan of, uh, they charge, it, it's as cheap as you can, I found, I, I don't know. I don't know the exact numbers because I just, uh, I, I, I set it and forget it. So I, I have a daily buy and, uh, I, I just know that, and, and actually because of the price volatility, you know, it's, it's a lot better for my mental psyche to, uh, just know that, oh my God, Bitcoin's down today. Okay. Well, good. I just bought more sats, you know, Bitcoin's up today. Okay, great. My, my, my bag just pumped. I I'm cool. <laughs> so it, uh, it takes a lot of the stress out of it. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you, you know, I I've been in about four years now and I, I, the price volatility doesn't even bother me now. I mean, unless we lose 50% or, you know, the crazy thing is when, when COVID hit and it crashed with everything, uh, I was so excited. I, I was, you know, trying to figure out if I could sell cars or, you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever I could do to get cash to buy more Bitcoin uh, because I knew it was cheap and uh, that it, it just, uh, but I do know a lot of people can't handle the volatility. That That's why, I'm like, just, just do it with an amount you won't miss. So, so if, if Joe Fi is wrong and it all goes to zero and my grandma was right and the magic internet money never turns out to be anything. Well, it was money that you set aside that you said, I, I won't miss. And, uh, you know, that, that being said, I, yeah, I, I, that's the, the most prudent way. Personally, I, I think I've, uh, I'm too far down the rabbit hole and I've, I've gone more, more down the road than I than than most people would consider safe, but uh, you know I, I I'm a believer, so I'm a zealot. <laughs> well, that's great. Um, and so if if someone wants to uh, download an app to learn how to get into it, you said the Strike app is a good app to to to, to download and learn how to buy yeah. into it. You know what? I, I'm a big fan of that, and uh, Strike is good. But every every day it seems like there's new ways for people to. Uh, to, to be able to buy, I mean, you can even buy through PayPal as much as I, <laughs> I, I do not like PayPal, but you can buy through PayPal. You can buy through, uh, like I said, Coinbase, Gemini, Kraken, there, there's all kinds of exchanges and, uh, you know, there's, there's even more coming. And if you want to do it through like your 401k, there's products which aren't the best, but there's, uh, things like GBTC, which is traded, uh, on the New York stock exchange. And uh, you can buy, you know, the, the 401ks that we still do have and the IRAs, <laughs> I, I've pretty much sold everything and bought GBTC just because, you know, that that's in the, the tax deferred, or, you know, the tax special accounts. And I'm not going to pull that out just to, you know, pay more taxes. Uh, but you, you can buy it there. And but, yeah, I, I think the easiest by far the easiest app is Cash App. Um, you know, a lot of people won't like that because it's a, uh, it's owned by uh, Square, which is owned by Jack Dorsey, Twitter. You know, so th- there's baggage that comes there. But uh, you know, w- one of these days, I'm gonna, I want to an- interview Jack Dorsey because he he's an odd character. <laughs> he's a definitely odd character. He he's a massive Bitcoiner, but but you know, I don't understand what he does with Twitter. So. Uh, but that that's a different rabbit hole for a different show. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, w- one of the things I wanted to ask you about is um, some of the legislation that I'm working on. Um, so not directly related to Bitcoin, but mm-hmm. to use the technology, the blockchain technology, which as you mentioned earlier, is this is this digital ledger that says who who owned it, right? Doesn't it track every owner of that uh, Satoshi or that Bitcoin? Um, and it's all recorded on multiple ledgers simultaneously uh, synchronized around the world um, so that it's and it doesn't have names. It has like your your user ID or your code. Right. 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 Obama um, actually put it best. It, it's a Swiss bank account. It's just a numbered account, basically, is that. Yeah, that's yeah, that, that's the best way to think about it. OK. And, and yeah, as I say, well, okay. I'm sorry, I want to use this blockchain technology to apply to how we record home titles in the state of Minnesota. Um, as you know, when you, you're in real estate, um, as am I, when you, you, when you buy a property, um, there's always a risk that somewhere along that, the, the title chain, 
that there was a divorce and that wasn't properly recorded and the person sold it, but yet didn't have sole ownership of it. And then you buy it. And then lo and behold, the divorced person comes and says, Hey, that's mine. I didn't get permission to sell it and you lose it. That's, that's why you, you go out and you hire an attorney to give you an attorney's opinion, or you hire a title insurance company to ensure that, that, that title is, has a clean chain. And so if we used blockchain technology to start recording titles, then there wouldn't be an issue um, for the losing track of, of ownership like that. Does that make sense? Right. Absolutely. And, and the, 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 that technology definitely exists. The, the question is, is, is who's blockchain and uh, what, what securities do you have that the blockchain is actually secure um, and, and not centralized? Or, or maybe it's something that... Uh, the state runs <laughs> or just opens up and you know that is the final final ledger of settlement for for things like that but uh you know a lot of times uh you know a lot of people like to uh throw blockchain on things that uh you know maybe maybe would be better maybe wouldn't but uh but but the the biggest the devil's always in the detail in it it's it's who who controls what right and uh you know, yeah, the, the title thing is, is definitely real. And it'd be, I mean, it'd almost be interesting if you could have every county in Minnesota run their own node and, uh, and not have it be centralized with some, one of these companies that, you know, just, you know, say we can do everything, but, but if every county ran their own node and backed up all the other counties, that, that would be an interesting, uh, interesting concept, <laughs> a little yeah. bit above my, uh, above my head, uh, as far as the technology of that goes, but, uh, but it, it would be, nice to have, you know, the open public records, you know, immutable, you know, you know, backed up across the entire state. That, that would be something interesting. Uh, as far as legislation goes, uh, where does Minnesota, uh, where does Minnesota, you know, fall in with like the banking legislations? Like you said, you talked to somebody in Wyoming and I know that was their big push was to open up the, the banking charters and things like that. Uh, uh, I, and I, you know, I, I apologize for my ignorance. <laughs> I, I don't know if anything is happening in Minnesota as far as things like that goes. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I, the, the legislation that got through in Wyoming was, I believe it was to like allow, uh, uh, to, to allow, uh, companies to, uh, offer their stock in, Bitcoin. So okay. it wouldn't be in, in us dollars. Um, the, uh, uh, Tyler Lindholm is the, is a legislator. That's a friend of mine and he's no longer in the legislature, uh, in Wyoming. Um, but, but he, he got through this, this piece of legislation, um, to expand or basically expand the rights of cryptocurrency in the state. Um, and, uh, there's, there's several other pieces of legislation that, uh, people are working on in different states. I'm just, you know, I'm just scratching the surface and I want to, you know, one of the reasons why I reached out to you, I want to learn more about it and uh, be able to speak to it because it's such a complicated subject. It's one of those things you have to like, if once I learn more about it, um, I have to go around the legislature and, and find all these, you know, old codgers that are like running the committees and, you know, <laughs> teach them about this and why they should care. And when I'm going to, you know, a Democrat uh, state rep, and you know how do i pitch it to them and to to you know use the story about uh, el salvador and people sending remittances back um same with somalia i know tom emmer is a big uh cryptocurrency guy in congress yep. um you know you know and he's you know like him or hate him um he changed the rules on how somalis can send money to somalia um because i think it was uh there was some, you know, a lot of uh, bad money going over to Somalia, and um, they locked it down. And then he, I think, allowed people to bring, you know, suitcases of cash there or something, and change, you know, change, <laughs> change the way they can get money there um, sure. to help rebuild their country. But, uh, but that would be a way for people to send money overseas. Um, and I guess you you have to accept the good with the bad, right? All this money going back for for good remittances, and of course, money can transfer. Uh, in illicit ways, uh, too. And, and right, that's, right. you know, the cryptocurrency market isn't just for, you know, drug dealers. It's a way for people to just pay for stuff. Um, and I, it's my understanding that Bitcoin isn't really 
I mean, it, it's it's is it anonymous still, or is it not so super secretive, and and that there well, would be a way to tax tax people? It, 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 it is like I said at the beginning. It, it's it the the ledger is completely public. Anybody can see every transaction, and as you know, what we call the on ramps, you know the uh, the on ramps. Like I was talking about Coinbase, uh, Strike App, uh, Cash App, things like that. They, they all have KYC laws in effect, which uh, stands for Know Your Customer. So it's it's no different than. So, so when I buy on Cash App, it's no different than if I deposit money into a bank. The bank knows who I am. Cash App knows who I am. And and unlike cash or unlike the U.S. dollar, if if I go to Wells Fargo and take that money out in cash, they have no idea where that's ever going or where it went to the, the second I, I walk out of the lobby versus uh, Cash App. When I withdraw it, they know that I withdrew it to this wallet and then I sent it to that guy and that guy and that guy. They can follow it all the way down the chain and they know that it started with me. Uh, so, so, you know, a lot of the uh, the detractors like to say, oh, well, it's only used for illegal activities. If if you're a smart criminal, uh, this is the most trackable form of uh, value that, that that is out there. So it you're not a very smart criminal if you're only doing it through Bitcoin. It's a, uh, you know, people love to say that, but it, it generally is, is a, is a bogus argument in my opinion, because it, it's extremely traceable. And, uh, and also, you know, the, the same people that uh, love to say that, that they, they'll turn a blind eye to the fact that, you know, how much, what, what drug dealer doesn't take cash? <laughs> you know, what, what, uh, what criminal doesn't take, take us dollars. And so it's, it's, uh, you know, they, they want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because, you know, maybe at some point people used it for bad things, but people use dollars for bad things too. It's not, uh, it's not indicative of the whole system. So, so crypt, so Bitcoin is more traceable than cash because there's a ledger that's public. But you yes. don't know, you don't know, or the, you know, the, the Department of Revenue isn't going to know that that hmm. number is me, right? It just right. knows that this. Yes. Yeah. Yes and no, because yes and no, because, uh, because like I said, w w your on ramp where you bought the Bitcoin has to, uh, uh, has to abide by all the KYC laws. So, so they know, and all it takes, you know, if the uh, Justice Department suspects you of terrorism or, or you know the IRS suspects you of uh, tax fraud. All all they have to do is subpoena the, all these different uh, on ramps, and then they'll know what coins you bought and then where they went to. So well, well, wait a minute. So so the cash app and all these apps that isn't that isn't like the uh, the the, the uh, <laughs> Caribbean island app that you're telling me about. You're telling me about the legitimate U.S. based one. Uh, unfortunately, yes. No, there, there's not a. There's not a good way to be anonymous with Bitcoin. That, that that's uh, unfortunately the downside, in my opinion. But uh, but I, you know, I I mean I, <laughs> everyone I know, nobody uh, of all the people I know, nobody's looking to buy uh, nuclear weapons or uh, run drugs or anything like that. You know, I, I I'm in this for sound money and freedom and. Uh, Bitcoin still accomplishes all that, even with the KYC laws as they are, you know, if, if I were uh, elected president, I would change it all tomorrow, <laughs> but you know, we, we got to work within what we've got. So it, it's, it's a, uh, yeah, it's not as anonymous as it could be, but uh, it, it's still better than the alternative in my opinion. Uh, a qu question for you too, on the, on the legislation. Uh, uh, well, just out of curiosity, and, and you can cut this. Sorry if I, I'm just being curious now. Uh, what, what committees are you on? Uh, are you on? Uh, I, I guess I don't know. I'm, not, I'm on nothing, but I'm not nothing that deals with cryptocurrency. I'm on the 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 health policy and finance committee. Um, I'm on the uh, redistricting committee, and I'm on the energy committee. So, okay. um, oh, so energy is very relevant, though. It could could be relevant. Yeah. Sorry, okay. I, I didn't. I, well, I didn't mean to sidetrack you, but uh. nope. the, the 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 cryptocurrency legislation would go before commerce. That would be the most important committee, and and I wrote a bill this year uh, dealing with cryptocurrency, and I introduced it um, when when uh, when you would allow companies to 
to, to offer stock options or payments to their employees in cryptocurrency, you're basically changing corporate laws in the state of Minnesota. And so just by introducing that bill, uh, it raised a lot of eyebrows. There's a bunch of attorneys and lawyer, you know, lawyers and uh, people that are now contacting me like, whoa, what, what, like, you know, we, let's get our arms around what you're doing here and try to, you know, figure out uh, a path forward. So I welcome all the lobbyists to come and, you know, you know, give me information and background because when uh, it's, it's interesting being a legislator because you have the power to write laws and change laws and, uh, and get rid of laws. And so you submit an idea to the you know nonpartisan research staff and saying, I would like to introduce uh, a, a bill that would allow people to transact in, you know, this is what I want. It's a simple, simple concept. And then they will research all of the state laws that would be impacted by my, by, you know, my legislation. Well, if Munson does this and allows, you know, cryptocurrencies to be, you know, transact, then you know, it's going to, it's going to touch 400 different laws. And so we have to alter those laws to address, you know, us dollar or cryptocurrency, you know what I mean? So, so then they come back to me with, well, you're, we're going to have to change all these laws. And then on, you know, these 20 laws that you're changing, we have an option. You can either include it or exclude it. And so they'll come back to me with all these questions on how would you like us to change this? And so what might start as a two page law will end up being hundreds of pages because I'm going to be impacting all these laws. But the good thing is I don't have to research it. We have staff that does that for us. <laughs> but, um, but you know, while we're doing that, then I'm impacting different types of laws for different, you know, different chapters. And, and then those people will start reaching out to be saying, well, what are you doing over here with this cryptocurrency? Um, so, you know, that's, one of the interesting parts of, of writing this legislation, and if I do get a hearing in the Commerce Committee, I would have to bring experts to come and to testify on why this is a good deal, or people would bring their concerns to me ahead of time, and we can try to address them. But I think it's really fascinating to to start writing legislation for this this you know new technology. Well, just listening to you, I, not, now I'm uh, getting an understanding of why the uh, the the offices around the Capitol keep seem to keep, keep to see him, uh, keep growing. <laughs> that's a, it, that seems like a, a lot of, uh, a lot of hoops to jump through, but, uh, that, that's, uh, that, that is interesting. And, and, uh, well, that's why, you know, like the Wyoming thing I, I saw when, when they started down the path, I think they've changed like 75 laws or things like that. And now that, you know, hearing this from you, that it kind of explains why they would have to change it, you know, a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah. That's... I mean, it's, there, there's, there's, there's a reason why government goes slowly. And it's because when you're changing things like this, um, it's just, I mean, currency is so intertwined with everything we do and touches so many chapters of law that, uh, that, that, that you have to figure out the right path forward. Um, especially sure. if you're going to be using just blockchain technology to, change, you know, car licenses or car titles. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of things you could use the technology for, but, um, but allowing, you know, cryptocurrencies to be used, I think would be, it's going to touch a lot of things. It's, there's, there's, it's going to be a, a slow change. Um, and we should just figure out the right path and then looking at other states and what they're doing, see what's successful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's interesting, you know, cause, uh, when, when I said it was interesting, uh, you're on the energy energy uh, committee or uh, whatever you called it, that, 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 that's a big, big, uh, you know, that that's something people love to detract on Bitcoin is that it uses way too much energy because of the mining and, and, and how the network works. But, you know, I, I always like to make the point that Bitcoin is, is fantastic for stranded energy. And I, I know you're from Southern Minnesota and uh you know, all, all the uh, wind turbines down there and you can educate me a little bit because I, I will definitely be the first to admit I don't know that much about it. But when don't isn't there times when they run surpluses where the, the grid doesn't need as much as they're producing? Correct. Uh, yeah, well, um, it's it's interesting. So the country is divided into several uh, several energy grids and we're in uh, the Midwest. It's called the MISO grid. And if you go to a website called uh, misoenergy.org, you'll see all the states that are in our, our uh, network from Minnesota down to Texas. And you can see real-time displays 
of how much energy is being produced in the MISO grid and what's prioritized. And every day they go out and they tell the energy suppliers, tell us how much energy you need for the day and tell us how much energy you're producing. And then they prioritize wind and solar are always first. So that's the first to be consumed. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, like the ones they can really change quickly are the natural gas and coal fired power plants. They can dial those up and, and down, uh, pretty quickly. And so those are the ones, um, that, that change actually natural gas. There's, uh, what's called a, a like a blast furnace. It's almost like a jet engine on an airplane. Um, it's super, super inefficient, um, compared to the natural gas power plants that run all the time, but they, they can come on and off in a second. So when a cloud goes overhead over the top of solar and all of a sudden the solar array shuts down. Um, these things fire up to keep the energy going so that you're not wasting anything. Um, but the, yeah, so you can see the, on the grid, um, and it, it'll show, of course, there's no solar now cause it's nighttime when we're recording this. But if you scroll down to the fuel mix, you'll see 72 megawatts of power being generated 72,000, sorry. And, um, you know, wind is 19% of it. Natural gas is 31%, coal is 31%, nuclear is 16%, um, and then all the other stuff. Sure, sure. Uh, hydroelectric and stuff. Well, that's neat, but but one of the reluctances, isn't it, uh, for for solar or wind to, you, you if we were going to go, to go totally solar or solar or wind, you'd have to so overbuild the, the, the capacity to handle the peaks if we were going to be 100% that, you know, and... A lot of people, and I'm just, uh, you know, like I said, I'm not an expert, but a lot of people say that that the extra energy, if you overbuild, could be used for Bitcoin just to recapture gains uh, from from the times when it's when it's not needed, and then when when you shut it off, you shut the mining off when the uh, when the peak comes up, and I, I know tech, the Texas grid is doing a lot of this, you know, doing contracts with uh, with Bitcoin miners to, you know take to shut down when when the when the peak energy is needed and things like that and uh so, so, so the miners would be like on off-peak electric like our water heaters and it like would shut off your your servers for mining bitcoin yep and in exchange for 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 agreeing to that they uh they, they get a cheaper per per kilowatt hour rate and uh but but it, it's an easier way to balance the load uh because then the, then there's incentive to overbuild the the clean energy Versus, uh, you know, just doing enough to, uh, <laughs> to you know, may maybe just supplement at the peaks. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I have a good friend that uh, is an XL clean energy person. And, uh, you know, I, I've kind of gotten him into Bitcoin a little bit. And he, he said he mentioned Bitcoin at an XL meeting. And he said they <laughs> they all looked at him like he was a three-headed toad or something. that uh, They're like, what? <laughs> but uh, anyways, I... I I, I do this all the time. I, I go off on different tangents and uh, div down different rabbit holes, but uh, it, it's very interesting though, because, you know, and, you know, not to keep harping on Bic or on El Salvador, but you know, that, that's what I've been talking about all day here. Uh, you know, they're, they're issuing uh, Bitcoin backed bonds and they're, they're instead of like a municipal municipal bond that's backed by, you know, future taxes, their Bitcoin bonds are backed by the future mined Bitcoin. And uh, based on the energy that's produced from uh, geothermal from one of their volcanoes, and it, it's a, it's a, I think it's the first time it's ever anything like this has ever been done. But it's a, it's an interesting take on it because the 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 goal of the whole bond issue is to build a a new city that will have the power, the infrastructure that it needs, and then as the city grows and the, the mining will decline as the the power needs of the new city demand the power instead of the mining so it's uh i i they're gonna raise over a billion dollars <laughs> in uh in just bitcoin bonds so it which is uh yeah i mean minnesota we, i guess the, the only uh natural resource we have as far as that goes would be the wind and solar i guess not even solar so much but the wind but i, I don't even how i don't well, even know, know how efficient that is we we can we we have plenty of nickel mines right we have nickel resources we could mine the nickel to make the lithium ion batteries to uh, store all the energy from excess <laughs> solar yeah. um, so so when you talk about mining just so everybody's clear um people set up these supercomputers 
to what run these complex algorithms to basically create uh, parts of a Bitcoin? Is that it's been, yeah. So, so they set up all their computers and they compete to be able to uh, write the next block to write the next layer of the ledger. And uh, in in their reward for winning the competition, if you want to call it that, is that they're paid in Bitcoin. That that's how when I say there's you know eighteen and eighteen million in circulation now, and there will only ever be twenty one. That's because every ten minutes there's a little bit more Bitcoin that's created and paid to the miners for writing the next block. And uh, but but you know the the game theory, the incentive is it of of it is that. Because you don't want any one party having control of who writes a ledger, everybody competes and they try to solve the algorithm to be able to win the block, to write the next block. But that they do it for the financial aspect of it, because right now, every 10 minutes, if you win a block, you are paid 6.25 Bitcoin. And uh, that's cut in half every four years, approximately. So when it started, it was 50 Bitcoin. And uh, th that's why a lot of times you know, not to get too into the weeds about it, but a lot of times people talk about the Bitcoin cycles and that every four years you, you'll see a big spike of, uh, of the price because of the supply shock of uh, the miners not making as much Bitcoin and, you know, that they have to pay their power bills and things like that. So that that's a big sell pressure. But when they're cut in half, you know, that there's a supply shock and not as much as hitting the market. So basically, basically it's the game theory or the, the incentives to keep the network decentralized because everybody everybody wants to make money. They they run the thing and by it being competitive, it nobody, no one person can control it because I want it, you want it, and you know, so we compete and then the market or you know, whoever does it or whoever whoever has the most power and the most energy uh is usually who wins. But uh that that's okay, well mining. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so let me, so then this some brings up some questions for me. You, you said that the, the miners get paid six point whatever Bitcoin. Yeah. Well, so that's, that's basically, what is that? $250,000? Yep. Yes. It, it's so, so Bitcoin mining is no longer just, you know, Joe fire in, in my basement running a, a graphics card. This is, this is wholesale data centers that are running. They call them ASIC computers, application specific, integrated circuit or something like that. It, it's it's machines, it's computers that are built specifically to run the Bitcoin algorithm. And and so it, there's thousands of these machines running around the world and you know they're just competing to solve a problem only to win the right to write the next block. That, that's okay. all it comes so, down to, right. to win the block so, reward. So people are spending a lot of money building these major machines and they're spending a lot of money and power to write this write the next block to create the ledger to to make sure that we know who is owning all of these bitcoins you said that there's only going to be 21 million bitcoins and we're at 18 million now so when that ends when we reach 21 million who yep. where is the incentive to continue to write the ledger if they're not being paid in bitcoin so so the, the other thing when they write the ledger so, so if I want to send you a Bitcoin transaction, I also have to pay the market rate or the market fee for, for, for the transaction. So there are trans. So, so a miner, when they win the block, they, they get their 6.25 Bitcoin plus all the fees of every transaction. And it can handle, you know, a couple thousand transactions per block. So I, you know, if I, if I were to send you an on chain, that just means on the, uh, the main Bitcoin network. If I were to send you an on-chain transaction, it might cost me a couple dollars, uh, which is, uh, you know, it's minuscule depending on the amounts you're talking about. But when you get into into the weeds of smaller transactions, that's why there's the Lightning Network, which is built on top of Bitcoin. But but on the main chain of Bitcoin, every transaction, I, I have to say, I'm willing to pay this fee. And and then the when the miner wins the block, they look at all the fees and they take all the highest fees and they're like, we'll include those in this block. And then that's when our transaction happens is when the miner writes it to the ledger. Okay. And, so uh, there will always be a transaction fee um, forever in Bitcoin. And when there's a transaction fee, a small percentage that gets paid to the, to the miners to continue to write the ledger, to keep everything up to date. Correct. And, and we're at 6.25 now. But like I said, every four years, it is cut in half. So in about three years from now, roughly, 
it'll go to uh, 3.125. And so every it just keeps getting cut every four years into smaller and smaller things. So, so the, the, the block rewards will go out past the next century. It, it goes out into, I think it's 2021, 20, you know, something. It, it will be long gone before uh, the block rewards end. But, uh, and that's, you know, usually where the price of Bitcoin goes up. So the miners keep making about the same amount of money because <laughs> we, we just had a halving about a year ago and, you know, Bitcoin was seven, 10 grand then. And now it's, you know, it's much higher because of the supply shock, but you know, the, the incentive, there's always going to be an incentive for the miners to do that, uh, you know, to compete, to, to win the block reward. Even if, you know, once all the Bitcoin, once we hit the 21 million, There'll be so many transactions that they'll say, I, "I'll still continue to run my computers just for the fees," and so that that's okay. a long ways out. But uh, I, I well, hope no, it, it shows that it, there isn't an end in sight. Like I can see that that right. was that was written with intent um, on on that process. The processors get cheaper, computers get cheaper, and uh, this will probably be consolidated down to you know just a thousand computers running it, and that will then it'll pay for itself. And then when you do transact in Bitcoin, is it a set number of stats or of sats that, that cost, or is it a percentage of? It's a, it, it all depends on, actually, it, it goes down to the exact byte. Uh, you know, if, if you remember, if you're a computer person at all, you know, every digit is a byte or, you know, so, so it depends on how many bytes are in your transaction and that's like the size of your address and who you're sending it to and things like that. So you can, you can set what you're willing to pay per byte. So, you know, the lowest you can pay is one Satoshi per byte. And, you know, I, I've, I've sent transactions at one Satoshi a byte and it ends up being like 40 cents. <laughs> so, okay. So it's it, not significant. It, and you, it and can so be I can buy, yeah, it, but, but it, I can, can buy a, a Tesla Right, and and it might cost me uh, a couple of dollars in transaction fee. Yeah, you know, so, so you you always hear the you know they, they love to write stories about somebody transferred twenty five million dollars for three dollars. You know, so uh, that th that's where a lot of people foresee the main chain of Bitcoin going, kind of being a, a a final settlement record. You know, for bigger transactions or you know uh, one country moving it to another country, kind of like the gold. Uh, in in new york used to be where they just move it from room to room uh but uh and then you know so so, so that would be for the big transactions when i buy when i buy a house or a car you know i send an on-chain bitcoin transaction and then for the day-to-day -day shopping uh it'll be the lightning network which is built on top of the bitcoin network which uh, you know a lot of people get confused by it but the, the easiest way I, I always say to think about it is uh you know, the, the Visa network settles through the banking network, but it doesn't settle instantly, right? So Visa will send it to you, the vendor, and you get your money and you're like, okay, it's in my account. That, But but behind the scenes, the uh, the money has to move from Wells Fargo to uh, US Bank or whatever uh, through the Visa network. And they make all that happen behind the scenes. And that's kind of what the on-chain thing could be in the future. But it, right now it's it's cheap enough to transact on, on the main chain as well, but uh, it won't always be that way. Cause there have been times where it's cost, you know, 30, $40, no matter how much Bitcoin you were sending. So if you, if I was sending you a $10 payment and, and the, there's a high demand and I really wanted to get it through to you right away, a miner won't include it if somebody's willing to pay $30 and I'm only willing to pay 40 cents. So that, that's uh you know, so, so that's, that's also while while the miners will always have incentives because you know as as the network grows the demand will grow and the fees will go up as well so but the lightning network i can send you i can send you 2 cents for you know a, a couple satoshis and you know satoshi $1 is 1800 satoshis and it, it just it happens like that. So okay, I, so, I try not to get too in the weeds, but uh, <laughs> okay. So yeah. so let's just say that uh, next week I, I download this app and I take money out of my you know checking account and convert it into Bitcoin. Um, what what do I have for a record? Because I've heard terms like digital wallet or 
you know, how, what, how do you, how do you keep track of where your money is and how do you <laughs> access it? That, that, that truly is the most important part, right? Is, uh, making sure you, you don't screw it up. Right. Uh, so, so, so when you buy it through, through an exchange like cash app or Coinbase, you, you get, uh, a wallet, but it's on it, They're the custodians of it. It's th- think of it like you're uh, a checking account at Wells Fargo, right? Uh, you know, it, it's held by Wells Fargo, it's held by Coinbase, it's held by a cash app. Uh, so, so, you know, a lot of people, that's as far as they ever want to go. You know, I own Bitcoin, it's in the bank, forget about it. And, uh, but that that's only the first step. So, you know, if, if you want to be, have the, the uh, freedom or the sovereignty that, you know, actually controlling your money gives you, what you would do is you'd withdraw it to, a variety of of different wallets that you control so you can download software on your computer and uh store it on your own computer you can run your own node which is a little bit more advanced you know you have to be deeper down the rabbit hole for most people but you can run your own node and then it's actually running you control every aspect of it or what, what i'm a big fan of is is they sell devices that are called they call them cold storage and basically think of it it's a like a usb thumb drive roughly and it stores stores the bitcoin on there it stores the keys is what it really stores encryptedly and once you have that it it, then it's stored offline you know even if your computer gets hacked or whatever nobody has access to it unless they have access to the physical device and the password to unlock it i mean it's a little weird for a lot of people to uh to grasp <laughs> but uh, well, I, I feel like the that the last thing we're talking about with the thumb drive the cold storage is the equivalent of, of getting a gold bar and sticking it in the safe right yes, like this is, this is my thumb drive it's in here it's offline it can't be hacked and you need the thumb drive and a password to unlock it yes yep it, it, yeah it, it's literally it's a cash under the mattress the gold bars in the safe that that's you, you have full custody you control it and nobody can, uh, if you lose it, nobody can get it back for you either. And that's, uh, you know, that that's why I always tell people you have to understand self custody and the risks. And you know, I, I, I've uh, I've talked my father in law into it who's seventy plus, and you know, he he's like, whoa, I don't want that responsibility. So you know, he he's okay with leaving his uh, with leaving his Bitcoin. Uh, at an exchange, you know, for, for him, he looks at it like uh, having a Charles Schwab account, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't care to own the paper stocks of 3M, you know, so he's like, he's, he's okay with it, hold them, somebody else holding it, but, but now, he, is there, you know, is, there a, is there a custodial fee for, for leaving your Bitcoin uh, in an exchange? No, not, not on uh not on our, uh, not on a individual level, you know what I mean? Um, you know, like if, if you're an institution, there's bigger things that are a little bit more secure. But no, you know what? It, it's just like a, it's just like a Schwab or a Fidelity account. You know, they they, they hold it for you. And, you know, the, the, the risk there is is you have to like I always tell everybody, you need need to know the risks of everything. Right. The risk is uh, that they go down or somebody hacks them and steals their Bitcoin. And that then, you know, a lot of. A lot of people look at the at an exchange as a big honeypot, you know. So every hacker in the world, instead of trying to hack you or I, that if they could hack Coinbase, you know, there's the pot of gold there, the honeypot. And but you know, these days it's less of a risk. I'm not going to say it's no risk because you know it's greater than zero. But you know, like in the old days of uh, Bitcoin, Mount Gox is what everybody always likes to refer to, and that was one of the first exchanges, and people lost. I think hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin and uh, because, because it, it was hacked multiple times, but so, you know, you need to weigh your risk, you know, is, is a huge company, a huge publicly traded company like Coinbase, a bigger risk than me losing my keys, you know? And for a lot of people, like I said, my father-in-law, you know, he's more afraid of losing the keys himself than uh, Coinbase being hacked. And that's a, something everybody needs to weigh, but, you know, for, for the uh, freedom aspect of it, once I control the keys, uh, nobody can take them from me. Nobody. And, uh, you know, everybody loves to say, well, the, you know, the CIA, this, that, they, the, the, the encryption of Bitcoin is just as good or better than what they use for the nuclear missile codes. So 
it, it's it's not going to be hacked. I, you know, the the bigger risk is, like I said, me losing it. <laughs> so that's a yeah. but there's 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 ways to pre- prevent that too. And you know, I, I don't want to get too technical, but but there there there's things that they call multi-signature wallets, right? Which says that uh, it takes three of five keys to unlock this wallet. So you know, I can leave I can leave one in a safe deposit box. I can give give one to a stranger if I you know think they'd give it back to me because alone any of those keys won't do it think of a safe deposit box when you put one key in the bank puts the other one in so that's a two of two to open the door so you you can set these uh these uh wallets up so that you know maybe your lawyer has one uh your estate lawyer has one you know a kid has one each kid has one and, and then if they all agree okay you know that that's the way it should be that they, they all provide their key and then you can move the funds as as you want to so oh, but then really you, yeah I, you're, I, you're, oh go ahead sorry <laughs> i was to say i i heard once that um that that there's bitcoin billionaires out there that have a <laughs> bunch of bitcoins but they don't know what their password is and you have like 10 10 tries to open it or whatever and they're at like a number nine yeah i i th- th- that's uh that that's definitely true and uh you know th- there's also the story of the guy that threw away a hard drive in england and he's trying to buy the dump so he can excavate it to do it. But which which is which brings up another good point. Uh, so, so, you know, the, I, I say the circulating supply of Bitcoin is 18 and a half million. But th- there's estimates that, you know, maybe as many as four million Bitcoins are lost because people have lost their keys. Right. Because at, at the beginning, at the beginning, everybody thought this was made up Internet money. And they, you know, it was like, oh, well, geez, I lost 10,000 Bitcoins. I, I threw the hard drive away. Who cares? Right. You know, because at the time that might have been a hundred dollars, right? You're not going to cry over, you know, over losing a hundred dollars. But but as time's gone by, that lost Bitcoin really, it's really interesting. Like I, I always say, it's a donation to the rest of us Bitcoiners because that just means there's that much less circulating Bitcoin. So when, you know, when we really hit hyper Bitcoinization and nation states and every corporation wants to hold Bitcoin as their reserve currency. Uh, there's only going to be maybe 14, maybe 10 million in circulation. And I'm not selling mine. <laughs> I, I'm not selling mine. And, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of, a uh, lot of other weirdos like me that, you know, to, to the end w- won't sell. So the, the price, when we hit that stage of hyper Bitcoinization, you know, it, you know, pick a number. I mean, you know, every, everyone loves to joke, uh, you know, saying it's going to the moon and, you know, who knows it could be, it could easily be, I don't, I don't even want to pick numbers because it, it doesn't matter because it, like I said, it's, it's, for me, it's about disrupting the system. <laughs> so, and it's, uh, anyhow, that, that's, uh, well, it'll, yeah. it'll be interesting to see where this, where this goes. Um, you, I think you've convinced me I'm going to, I'm going to sit down in the next week and, uh, get everything set up so I can start, start buying, uh, Satoshi's or, uh, sats. And, uh, and see how this goes, um, and try to try to figure out how I can. Uh, actually, I, I should be the first state rep to accept uh, Bitcoin as a campaign donation. I wonder if I can figure out that on my website. On, uh, I'll, on how I'll to, help how you set that up. <laughs> I think that would be interesting. Um, but you know, as I watch the nation's debt grow and grow, I mean, nobody would have imagined uh, fifty years ago that we would be at thirty trillion dollars in debt. You know. So anything, anything's possible. Um, but I think having an, having a second reserve currency would be, uh, would, would be beneficial for people, at least their state of mind. And, uh, it's kind of like a, a lottery ticket, you know, buy, buy some <laughs> Bitcoin, you never know what's going to happen with it. Just don't lose your keys. It, that, 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 that's a good way of looking at it sometimes, but you know, it just, just, uh, you know, buy a little bit. Cause, cause once, uh, nobody can swallow the orange pill all in one dose, right? You, you don't, uh, you won't, I've never seen anyone that's like, aha, I get it because uh, Joel explained it to me, or maybe I'm not that good at explaining it, but uh, it, it, it's a gradual process. But, but the, if you're anything like me until I made my first purchase, it was all theoretical and uh, you know, just, just buying a little bit and sending it, you know, set, you know, so, so talking about wallets, an easy way to do it is buy buy it at Cash App or wherever, and then send it to your own wallet. You know, Moon Wallet, M U U N. I always recommend uh, Moon Wallet, 
is is a very good easy wallet to use and so you know send that first transaction you know buy 50 bucks and send it to a different wallet and see what happens okay <laughs> and and don't, don't blame me if it's screw, it's screwed up no <laughs> I'm just right. kidding. I'll, it, I'll, it, I'll definitely try it i'll check that out so i'll i will send you uh the legislation that i've authored and the the bills that i'm working on and i will check back in with you um on your show to you know, explain to you what, what's going on with legislation and maybe how your listeners can, uh, you know, can help out and call the legislators that are in these committees that would be hearing these bills to, you know, have more conversations with legislators to explain to them the importance of uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and, and why this legislation would be important for the state of Minnesota. Yeah, no, that's, it's definitely, definitely interesting. And, and uh, like I said, at the beginning, there's certainly people listening to this show that know a lot more than I do. So <laughs> uh, okay. ho hopefully, hopefully they'll, they'll weigh in as well. So. <laughs> uh, All right. Great. I, well, thank you, Joe Fi, the Bitcoin guy uh, for, <laughs> uh, for explaining Bitcoin to, to, to my listeners. And, and thanks for having me on, on your podcast as well. I, I appreciate it. Anytime you're welcome. So. All right. <laughs>